you have to just put on the machine, the robot, and just just do it hardcore. If it takes like 10 hours, 10 to the night, doesn't matter. I think I have that robot gene. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. My name is Anders Hamnes, the CEO and founder of OneFlow. You are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Then we are live. Hi and welcome, Andesh. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And first thing first, what does OneFlow do? Do the elevator pitch. Uh, OneFlow is a platform for handling contracts. Uh, Pre-sign, sign, sign, post-sign. All the steps in the process. So you can build templates. You can negotiate in real time. You can, of course, e-sign and also manage your contracts in one flow so all the steps in the process nice and which type of customers are your icp uh well we work with sales departments procurement hrs are quite broad um, uh, across departments when it comes to the icp uh, we have a lot of customers within the consulting space it tech companies and um, business service companies in general i would say and now i'm curious why one flow how did you end up with that business and idea yeah okay so I was actually, um, in my previous uh, company, we realized that no companies had control of the contracts. It was uh, a mess out there. So that was when, 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 when I decided to, I have to do something about that problem uh, so they can have control of the contracts, know when they are, recur- when they are renewing and so on, and, and also use the data inside the contracts. So that was back in 2010, 11, and I started to write on the spec uh, 2012 for OneFlow. Uh, so, so the goal was never to build an e-signing, e-signing uh, platform. There are, that's a commodity today. It's a boring space in our opinion. So yeah, that was when it started, actually. Quite classic, I would say, from a strong founder CEO perspective. You see the problem yourself and uh, then yeah. take, roll up the sleeves and take action. Moving on to more leadership, Anders. What do you like the most about being a leader? I love sales. I love products. I love marketing. I love actually everything, um, all departments, so, so to say. So I would say that the, that the benefit of being a leader is that you can actually work across all departments, not only focus on one of them. That would maybe be the most fun part of being a CEO, I would, I would say. And, and why do you think the mix is so interesting? Have you always been like that, uh, that you want to have a more general perspective? Or why do you think it's that? Yeah, well, I have a technical DNA, so to say. I I have an engineering degree in the back, uh, uh, and and but I've always been very interested in product. And when I started the company, we didn't have any sales reps, so then I just needed to learn to sell to to sell as well. And we didn't have any in marketing, so I just needed to do the adwords and the marketing stuff myself. So, I mean, you learn as you go, and. Uh, but I, I find everything very interesting, actually. So, so today uh, I have a quite, I would say, general knowledge about everything. But and 
but I'm not an expert. We have experts uh, within all fields, but I know enough to ask the tough questions, so to say. Yeah, I, I love to hear that you, yeah, like you said, start with the building the departments yourself. So you start to sell, you start to grow, hacking and do marketing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Actually, I'm uh, quite, quite funny. I'm Norwegian. I've been living in Sweden for 14 years. And I started cold calling in Sweden, uh, call, talking Norwegian uh, and booking meetings myself. That was quite tough, actually, because I'm from Bergen. And that's even, that's a little bit like Skåne in uh, Norway. So a little tricky dialect. And I was cold calling, uh, booking meetings. Uh, uh, that was a very interesting um, experience, actually. Then uh, I now know, and the listeners know what you like about being a leader. So then I want to dig a bit more deeply here. What would you say are your greatest strengths as a leader? I hope, and I believe that I'm quite good uh, to inspire uh, my colleagues. Um, I also have a quite, I would say, broad knowledge. I know a lot about uh, different things, but of course, uh, we have experts here that knows more about me, more than me. But I, I know enough to be able to challenge uh, challenge them. And also a very important skill as an entrepreneur and leader is that you have a very high discipline. You have a very high working capacity. You can dig into everything and, um, and I mean, of course, some, some things are more fun to do than others. Uh, but as an entrepreneur and leader, you don't have the luxury always, always to to decide. Uh, I just can want to do this or that because that's more fun. I can skip doing that because ah, it's a little bit boring. I mean, you have to just put on the machine, the robot, and just just do it hardcore and a nerd into it. If it takes like ten hours, ten to the night doesn't matter. I think I have that robot gene uh, in me. Uh, so that's maybe a strength. Uh, Maybe also a curse in some ways because I mean, um, yeah, you can be a little bit maybe too robotic sometimes. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's 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 been a strength. And and uh, to be an entrepreneur, you need to have that um, gene actually to be able to just uh, don't don't cherry pick and just do whatever it takes. So of course, when I was cold calling, uh, selling, it was quite uncomfortable. I'm not I don't the guy that. Like to just put my head into the phone and, and book a meeting with somebody in a, in a even in a different language. That's quite um, uncomfortable, oh. but you just have to do it because you have no sales reps. You have to sell. So then do it. That's a, a, a skill, I think. But uh, to back to your leadership question there, motivation and inspiration, making sure that everybody's happy, being like the oil in the machinery. I'm not the guy that makes the decisions. I'm the guy that challenge and make sure that everything is moving in the right, the, the right direction because we live in autonomy and intent. So we believe that the decisions should be taken among employees, among those that have the knowledge about uh, the topic. So in a perfect world, a leader would never have to make any decisions at all. Just be there. Make sure that everything is, is working. Yeah, great answer here. Uh, th- th- this part I will when I cut the podcast I will listen again like hmm and listen. <laughs> yeah. So 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 thank you for this, Anders. Uh, we are moving on to uh, the segment uh, that is external questions. Before we uh, started to record it, I I warned you that th- there will be three people, external people, that will ask you one question each, and, and the first question is uh, a person that you know and work mm. with because yeah. this is Ling. 
You are chief brand officer. Yes. And this is our question. Hi, Andes. It's Ling here. And be warned, the question is deep. I've reached out to the brightest minds at OneFlow to help me ask you this question. As a serial entrepreneur, you have built successful companies and companies that have failed in the past. So, what does failure teach you that success can't? Of course, you learn from everything you do. You learn from mistakes, you learn from what you're doing right and so on. But of course, failures are more painful than, than when you do something right. And sometimes, you know what, it's a little bit strange, but I think as a person, I thrive when it's sometimes when it's like going really bad, when it's like raining and snowing and blowing really, really cold winds. I, I thrive in, in when it's like that. So, so the first stage of a company, when it's like really tough, then, it's, then I think I find it super interesting because then you have some really hard challenges to solve. Uh, when things are like getting more and more into order and working, then it's interesting, but not to the same extent, maybe. So, but, but, but why I'm just trying to, why have I, I think it's a little bit like the more painful it is, uh, the harder the task is, the deeper it will go uh, inside you. So that's why, that's how I think it, I mean, you will learn more from a failure than, than, than when you do something right. Thank you so much, Ling, for a great question. And thank you, Anders, for the answers. We're moving on because now we're talking about failure lessons. And um, so it's close for me to move on to challenges. What are your biggest challenges right now? And when I say your, I mean both you personally, but also OneFlow's challenges. What are your biggest challenges right now? Of course, this changed from week to week, almost um, one challenge that we have, uh, I would say, I mean, Number one challenge, always, this week and last week and last month, it's always about people and talent, to find, to find talent. It's always, I mean, you, if you have an average idea and a fantastic team, then the product will be fantastic. But if you have an average or a fantastic idea with an average team, .com will be average. So you need, you need to have uh, the right people in place. You need to build an amazing culture. So we put a lot of energy, a lot of effort every day, every week on people and culture questions. That's on my table every day. Um, another uh, challenge I would say right now is that we are in this transition from being a marketing-led company to becoming a product-led company. It's a quite a big process. It's been going on for some time and it's going to take some time before we are where we want to be. But uh, that's a lot of energy that goes into that effort. And also actually uh, last week we opened uh, two offices, uh, one in uh, France and one in Amsterdam. So that also wow, takes a lot of... Yeah, thank you. So, so that also takes a lot of uh, focus uh, these days. What is your best hack to really attract top talent? That's a, that's a good question. And it's so hard, uh, especially, I would say sometimes it's harder with sales roles, actually, because a lot of people are able to like, and they, they, they check all the boxes, like they are smart, they are, they are like, they're like, like what you look for. But the hard part with salespeople is it's very hard in an interview process to find out if they are tough. Their stamina, their killer instinct, when they have like 
try to book 100 meetings after three weeks, and they're still going to hang in there and fight and so on. And the killer instinct, that is so hard to, uh, to, to, to find um, in a meeting. Are they able to, to continue? Uh, how tough are they? But we have a really tough process. We have logic tests. We have personality tests. We have case studies on all roles. We do backdoor reference checks and so on. So, and you have to put a lot of energy and effort into hiring. Because to me, it's a, why do people, comp off, uh, companies outsource hiring? The most important thing you do is insane. It's totally insane. I mean, we have a big team here doing only hiring full-time. Your people is your most important asset. And then you outsource it to somebody else. It's insane. You shouldn't be doing that. It's like, it's like uh, if, you, if you have a date and then, then you ask your buddy, can you please take the, take the date for me and go to dinner and tell me if, she's, uh, if she's, she's good or not? It's the same thing. You have to go to the date yourself. That's a mystery to me. Why, why somebody outsource hiring? You have to do it yourself. It's, your, it's a key thing in, the, in, the, in building a, a good company culture. What, what, what a great answer. So not like, like lagom Swedish style. It's so on the point. Sharp yeah, and, uh, yeah I'm, re I'm really glad that I asked this follow-up question because then we got uh, all this yeah, great insights. So thank you, Anders, for this. And now I have, I have thought lately about a new segment in my podcast with a new question angle that I haven't started with yet. But I, but I think you have so great answers. So, I, so I'm going to now test shoot it to you. And if it's good, I will not cut it away because I, I would like myself to get this question when, when uh, if I'm in a podcast and get interviewed. And this is, Anders, what is a topic you would like to talk about quickly? If now, I, if, if I don't like ask, this is like my format question, I ask you, Please, Anders, let's take a few minutes and then discuss something that you really are passionate about. What would you like to bring up as a topic then? Uh, it depends, you know, on the day, on the week. It depends on who I'm talking to. I'm talking to my, to my colleague in marketing or my colleague in sales, or was it this week or last week? It depends. But uh, topics that typically I've been very involved in over the last years has been course funding and, and, and if you go go not not to question like you are involved with uh, topics that you are really nerdy and passionate about so 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 we really can get normal anders yeah really nerdy i have a lot of those topics actually and it i can i can just randomly pick some because i have passion for several different topics actually but but if i should just randomly i mean we talked about culture already that's one topic another topic uh, would be funding where I think I have some opinions that maybe is not, I wouldn't say housewarm, but I, I think I have some different opinions than most people out there, actually. Is it like super crazy? So it's not... No, it's not crazy, but, uh, but uh, I'm not a very big fan of venture capital. I think uh, that uh, a lot of founders are too focused on venture capital money. I, I don't think it's um, always uh, the smart route uh, to go for many reasons. Um, first of all, in my opinion, the money is not that smart as you would think because they like to promote themselves as, you know, this is smart money, you have a very big network and so on, but come on. These are finance guys. 
They are business people. They know money. That knowledge you can buy. The hard questions in your day is the operational questions. How you manage a leader that is not working. How you create alignment across teams. How you solve tricky operational questions. How much do these smart money know about that? Zero. Nothing. So I don't think smart money is that smart. Uh, in most cases, there are a few exceptions, but in most cases, they are not. And the problem with venture capital money is that there are so many poison pills in the contract. And I don't think that most entrepreneurs realize and understand the consequence of those poison pills, at least not when it's too late, actually. And also, these kind of investors are super tough on the deals. So typically, they will try to get discounts. Uh, on the price because of their smartness, the, their knowledge and the network that they have. But I wouldn't pay for that because network today is a commodity. I mean, if I want to contact somebody, I can reach that person easily myself within my network. So, and so can most people today. I mean, it's just, it's not, I mean, social media, come on, it's easy. Uh, and when it comes to the, the smartness that they can, can provide, it, they are super smart <laughs> people uh, very often, but it's not this kind of smartness that, that you maybe need. You can, or you can buy that from somebody. The smartness that you need is operational smartness. So as a, I have always preferred rich entrepreneurs and raised a lot of money from people that have been entrepreneurs themselves and made a lot of money on that because they have been out there the winter night in the storm they know the smell of wet dirt. They know how a bullet is sounding when it, when it is like passing your head. They have been there before. So <laughs> I would say that that kind of money has much more value because that is, that is smart money, not the finance people you know, with a white shirt and tie. You know, they are there for, <laughs> they are not, they're not, when they're attending, they are attending to Christmas table. They are attending your Christmas table, but also their customers, their investors' Christmas table. And that's their, their real connection. They, are, they will never be a part of your culture on real premises it will, because they have their own customers, the investors. That's what they're working for. So it's, it is a little bit, um, yeah. So that's, that's um, I can talk about this for hours, by the way. So, so I think we say stop here. And I'm yeah. glad that I asked this. This new question of just lifting up a topic that uh, yeah. you as a guest are very passionate about. Topic we can pick many, but uh. and then now we are moving on. And so thank for the thank you for these answers. And it's time for question number two from a listener. And this question is from Marcus Gustafsson, who's running uh, the company Glavan, that is actually uh, a partner to OneFlow. He's curious about this. Hello, Anders. How did you set up your sales organization during your first three years at OneFlow? And a quick follow-up question. What did you learn from that time period? And what three top tips would you give a new startup to build a good sales organization? That's a very good question, of course. And um, uh, we had a very bootstrapped start. Uh, I was selling myself for the first years. And then we hired some sales reps and then some more and more and so on. I would say that a very important lesson learned would be to never combine roles. What I mean about that is 
somebody doing booking meetings, having uh, sales calls, maintaining existing customers, like the CS kind of work and, and so on, because everybody is good at something. And what's going to happen if you combine different, there, there are several problems actually with, with combining uh, different, different tasks in one role. Uh, but one is that people will, 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 will be, be, be dragged towards those tasks that they find most interesting. For example, typically uh, a sales hunter, if, the, if, if, if that person is also supposed to book their own meetings, I mean, typically they will not book so many meetings. They will, they will wait for marketing to provide them leads because then they will focus on maintaining existing relationships and so on, because it's more fun to talk to an existing customer than to pick up the phone and call somebody new. That's like out there, cold winter night, you know, so it's much more cozy to talk to somebody that they already know. So that's why you need to have um, very vertical roles. And then it's also easier to, to manage because you can have like two or three KPIs on each role. Like, uh, for example, business closed for the, for the sales rep and, and expansion uh, sales on the CS and so on. And booked meetings for the SDR. And you can't have one SDR. Because you need a team, you need to have the dynamics, you need to have the gaming, the, gaming, the competition part and so yeah. on. So you can never have a team with less than three people. Of course you do when you start, but I mean, try as soon as possible to get at least three SDRs and then you need at least three uh, sales reps. And of course, in the beginning, the reps, like the first month can handle the CS work themselves, the farming part themselves and so on. Uh, but quite soon you would need um, to add, uh, to add uh, CSS, CS people as well but never have like teams with one. That's, you need to have the dynamic. And another thing is that if you need three sales reps, you should hire five because yeah. two is, I mean, I can promise you this. If you hire five, two is for 100% gonna leave within four months. It's not gonna work. It's always like that. So if you need X of, thumbs of something, then uh, with, if it's a sales role, then you should hire maybe almost the double. Otherwise, if you hire three and you need three, what's going to happen in four months? Can be one or one one left. I mean, it's going to take, and then you have to start build build pipe again, all over again. Yeah. And it takes like three, four months to. Uh, it's then you're losing a lot of speed. Yeah. So, so uh, of of course, I've been working with sales fifteen years. So I I I know, I, I know this, but it's so I'm so glad that you said this yes because i can imagine there is so many people out there that just thinking ah, i don't know sales etc you, you need to know this about sales if you're gonna build yeah. a sales team True. so thank you for your <coughs> question marcus and thank you for great answers anders we need to move on because now we're going to talk about kpis what top three kpis anders are you looking at at OneFlow? yeah well as a SaaS company of course the ultimate KPI, the queen of KPIs or king of KPIs. It's, it's the ARR, of course, annual recurring rev revenue and also the ARR growth year over year. And then we also follow very closely gross and net retention and, and uh, cock. There, there are more, but that would be maybe like the, the most ultimate KPIs. And do you have, uh, th this is very connected to the business part. Do you have any like top for the, for the product? Uh, yeah. On, yeah. On the, like that was on the sell side. So we, of course, NPS score is also very important uh, for us. We have a lot of health metrics that we monitor uh, inside the product to 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 see uh, if it's uh, yeah if a if a customer is 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 using an application, which parts of it, and so on. 
So, but yeah. And then now, uh, when I know about your top uh, top KPIs, I want to know how you have built the framework to manage this. So let's quickly talk about company goal system slash frameworks. We ha- we are maybe doing as a, as a lot of other companies do there, following following the OKR framework. Uh, it's not very not very disruptive, but uh, we have been doing OKRs for many years actually. I'm very inspired about uh, Google, how how they have been working with 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 OKRs, but there are challenges with OKRs as well. Um, and one very big challenge is when it comes to developers. How do you put the key result on the developer? With salespeople, it's easy. They have a currency, but uh, yeah. but the developers don't in the same way. So we have some. Um, we are working on some kind of a, a currency there as well. We try to 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 give each feature a score. So that's like a currency, but but it's it's it has it's been very tricky for us. But 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 still, it's we're quite happy with the framework. Uh, it uh, works. The purpose of OKR is twofold. It's to create alignment across department and to give everybody goals, hairy goals, so they can reach and achieve. And uh, for us, uh, those two uh, purposes have been achieved quite well, actually, with that framework. Nice. Now we are moving on the sh- forward to the last question from a listener, and then we are on the run-up of this uh, interview. So it's time for Oscar Forsberg from Sastrify. And this is his question. Hi, Anders. As a CEO, what is the biggest difference in your role pre and post IPO? Mm, that's a good question. There are some consequences when you decide to go public. Uh, and one obvious is that you can't be as transparent as you would like. Uh, one of our core values is um, in transparency with trust. We have always been very transparent with our colleagues. We have shared a lot of KPIs on every monthly meeting and so on. But now we are not able to do that anymore. We will do it on every third monthly meeting, once a quarter, at the same time as we share it with the market. So that's been a change internally. And also there are more reporting stuff, of course, uh, that takes time. You have the annual uh, or the quarterly reports and so on, earnings call. Uh, But I would say that it's not that big difference, actually. Yes, maybe I invest... uh, a few days more every quarter on reporting stuff. And we have to share information internally in different ways than before. And we, of course, have a lot more policy documents and so on. But it's not a major change, actually. Not a big thing. So founders that hear this shouldn't be too scared. When no, 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 no. Definitely. If you're ready for... Uh, for going public, I would say that's, I mean, we are super glad that we did actually, and because we had to decide, should we go public and raise money or should we raise money from venture capital? We prefer. Yeah, I understand why you prefer that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oscar, thank you for your question. And now we are on the run up, Andesh. And this is my VAM oriented question that I always ask all my guests because I'm a, I'm a sales nerd and I'm also an outreach nerd. So I, I yeah. want to collect data points. Yeah, so yeah. Anders, uh, what would you say is the best way to do cold outreach to you? Okay, you're going to hate me for <laughs> after I'm going to give you this answer. You're going to hate me. Uh, I've got it not in the same room physically. I never pick up the phone. If I do by mistake, uh, it happens. Then I ask them politely to send me an email. I read every email. I get 
but I never reply to sales reps because I get too many emails. If I start to reply, I mean, then yeah, it's just a spiral. I don't have time for that. It, then it's back and forth, you know, ping pong back and forth, and and it, it, it never stops. They always going to try to find new angles. So I hate to. I, I don't want to be rude. If I don't reply, it means no, thank you. So I always read mail, and sometimes I forward the mail uh, internally. Sometimes I reply myself if it's interesting. But otherwise, I don't reply to emails actually. Quite classic, I would say. What I hear when I interview people, also like yeah. not just in this podcast. So my following question here is always: Would you say that if I get you to stop, if I get you to read the email, but you don't know me, uh, you don't have any data point? Would you say that a quick personal video <clears throat> with a low threshold is better than asking you for, "Hey, Anders, let's jump in a meeting." Is video better there? Uh, should I be honest now? I should be yeah. honest, I guess. I mean, because yeah. it's easier, it's faster. I mean, I'm very speed oriented. Yeah. And I would I always read emails. Every yeah. email. And sometimes I don't read the whole mail, but I start to read all emails yeah. just to be sure. And yeah. uh, if I have to click on some link and open a video and yeah. see on a video, it takes too much time. Yeah. I just want to have <laughs> like in a nanosecond, poof, yeah. at least the essence here. And then there might be a video as well. Of course, it can be a video as well. I'm, I'm, I'm not closing it down because of a video. So, but there are, should be some sentences on top that like make me interested. And if I'm interested, yes, then I might click on the video yeah. and watch the video. Th yes. So I, it happens. I see videos. It happens. <laughs> I, not because of the video. That's not the reason. No. I, I need no, some no, no. text first. Exactly. Th thank you for giving me really strong data points from a really strong leader of yeah. how I actually saying it. Like, People will never watch a video if they don't have good value in text quick before. Yes, they need exactly. to, and then, thank you. So, okay, I, I'm really happy now, Anders, with it answer. So I'm not hating you. I, I would hug you if we weren't. <laughs> so, okay, second last question. If you were a younger CEO, what is the one top, one, two, or three things, Anders, you would tell yourself? Mm -hmm. one, one thing that, that, that I've learned over the years is the importance of, people and culture, the soft, the soft values. And to me, that didn't maybe come natural because I'm an, I'm an engineer. I'm like more like a technical kind of DNA person. So, so but I, I, I have learned that, that that is what it takes to become successful. You have to focus on people and culture. Uh, another very important um, thing I would say to all entrepreneurs is read a lot. There are so many good books out there that has been written by fantastic people. And there are some interesting blogs out there. So I would say read a lot, but never listen to advice. If somebody, there are so many experts out there, you know, in, in any kind of field. And, and, and they might have done something right at some point in time within what they have been doing and so on. But it might not fit, fit you. You have to find your own way. But, but read, read, read. That's a super important thing. Wow, what a, what a great episode. So I will listen to this episode many times because Anders, now we are, we are wrapping up. So I always ask my guests, which two B2B socios are you inspired by? Yeah, uh, well, to be honest with you, I don't follow any sauce CEOs. There are many companies out there that I have, find interesting that I am, am impressed about. You know, it's not about the CEO. It's about the, the team. It's a team effort. Yeah. Uh, so 
I maybe it's it feels a little bit embarrassing to say it, but but I am really impressed about you know you know the guy from South South Africa. I, I'm not going to mention his name again, but you know, and, <laughs> well, and why not? <laughs> it's a cliche, you know, cliche. Yeah. Like Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and those guys. I think I read those books, and I think that's amazing. Yeah. That's history. That's like yeah. uh, a monument. But uh, and there are a, a lot of really, really um, good CEOs, CEOs of, of course, out there. But I, I'm more yeah, impressed about companies and teams. There yeah. are maybe if you need somebody for your next next episode, you know, in some inspiration for the next episode. I think uh, there is a Swedish company that might be interesting. Uh, I think Planet. Have you have you had meeting with Planet yet? Planet. Many people have recommended me to interview Calve, and he's on my list, and we are talking. Yeah. So. Yeah, Thank good. You I think that's that uh, an interesting company, a company team. Thank you so much for the answers here, Anders. And now, uh, when we are wrapping up, uh, if you who listen to this like what you heard and got value, please press the subscription button and tell a friend or a colleague. Just listen to Anders in B2B Social because it, this was a great episode. And Anders... A huge thank you for putting aside approximately 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me keep on learning. Thank you for having me, Joseph. Thank you.